All right, let's give it up for my beautiful bride, Mary. So good, so good. All right. So uh, Danielle sent this uh, over Messenger here. I was healed the Sunday before last when we talked about heart fluttering. So that just, not sure what all that means, but that sounds like a good thing to start with. So yay, God, so, so good. So if you've, got, uh, if you've got anything fluttering in your body, Jesus wants to heal it. So let's just take care of that right now. All right, you guys ready? How many of you realize the new covenant is completely different than the old covenant? Have you guys seen how different this is here? And the first miracle of Moses, he turned, uh, he turned water into blood, resulting in death. And the first miracle of grace, Jesus turned water into wine, resulting in life and celebration. How many of you guys know there's a big difference there? God gave Moses the law at Sinai to the people of God, and 3,000 people died that day. When God gave his uh, Holy Spirit at the Pentecost to his people, 3,000 people were saved. It's a new covenant. In the, Old Testament, in the Old Testament, if you touch a person with leprosy, you became unclean. In the New Testament, you, become, you touch a leper, they become clean and whole. How are we doing? Amen. The Old Covenant was made between God and man. The New Covenant was made between God and Jesus, which means there's nothing you and I can do to screw it up. Amen. All we can do is believe and receive. God's now saying, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to bless you on the basis of your performance that was the old covenant. I'm now going to bless you on the basis of Jesus' performance. That's the new covenant. Under the law, God says in Exodus 34, 7, he said, I will by no means clear the guilty, but I will visit their sins to the third and fourth generation. Boy, that sounds like a lot there. Under grace, here's what he says in Hebrews 8, 12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deed I will remember no more. Boy, that's a big difference. You see, there's been a radical change. And so the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the almost too good to be true news, the goodest news you will ever hear, uh, it's like a multifaceted jewel. And every time you hold it up to the light of the Holy Spirit, like a new, a new revelation, a new ray uh, reflect, reflects into, reflects. It comes to us in a fresh way. And here's the deal, guys. There's no one story or set of verses that gives us a complete picture of salvation. That's why we have 39 books of the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament points to Jesus. So these are just different facets of what he's done. So today I want to continue our series through the book of Galatians. We're looking at the gospel of grace. We're looking at chapter 3. And here's one of those pictures. It's called the blessing of Abraham. And it is such good news. So Genesis 15:6. we were introduced to the start of this blessing. Genesis 15:6. it says this. Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, guys, this is a pivotal verse of the entire Bible here. <clears throat> when God declares you righteous, it means you're entering into a realm where God is no longer dealing with you based on your behavior. That was the old way. He's now dealing with you based on Jesus' behavior. This is a new way. Guys, this is a radical way of, uh, of your relationship with God. He's not dealing with you based on your character. He's dealing with you based on his character, which is unconditional love. If it wasn't in the Bible, I'm not sure I would believe it. It sounds too good to be true. So God knew we would have a hard time believing it, so he gives us lots of different pictures, and so one of them is the blessing of Abraham. We're going to look at it today. So here we are in Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Here's what it says. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Do you see that Jesus became a curse of the law on the cross so that we could get something in exchange, the blessing of Abraham? So if we're going to receive the blessing of Abraham, how many of you know it probably is a good idea to know what the blessing of Abraham is? Like, yes, I've got the blessing of Abraham. What is it? All right, let's talk about that today so we can, uh, so we can believe for it, so we can get excited about it. So um, here's the blessing of Abraham in a nutshell. 
God blessed every area of Abraham's life, regardless of his behavior, because he was blessed because he believed. Every area of his life. And now this comes into our lives as a new covenant believer because the Holy Spirit is now the presence of God bringing those very things into our life the same way the presence of God did it in Abraham's life. God's after faith, not perfect behavior. Actually, I got in a little Facebook debate this week. Was Not a debate. Someone just kind of posted something, and they're like, I don't want to go into the whole thing, but they're basically saying that God cannot bless this person, the person that God cannot bless my marriage because, you know, I, I, I can't forgive, I can't do this and that. And I know if I don't love the God, Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself perfectly, then I get nothing from the Lord. Hey, guys, I got some good news for you. Um, well, here's, here's some bad news for you. No one has ever loved the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and loved their neighbor as herself perfectly. Probably not even for one second. We were joking about this. I was like, maybe like in the 90s, there was like that moment in worship. You hit it for a second, but then it went away. And then you began to tell people about it, and you fell into pride, so it wasn't worth it anyway. And so, guys, there's only one person who loved the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loved their neighbors as perfectly, and it was Jesus. And so God puts you into Christ. So he, now he delights to treat you as if you were Jesus himself. You trying to do all these, keep all these commandments, you'll keep more commandments by accident, by, uh, by following the Holy Spirit than you ever could in purpose in your own strength. But that's two weeks from now we'll talk about that. We'll talk about flesh versus spirit. So, um, so righteousness is that realm where God is not dealing with you based on your performance. He's dealing with you based on Jesus' performance. And so in Galatians 3, it says that God preached the good news to Abraham in advance. In other words, he's giving us a 3D, in living color picture of what salvation looks like. And so let's look at it in Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 8, the Passion Translation. Abraham, our father of faith, believed God, and the substance of his faith released God's righteousness to him. So the true children of Abraham have the same faith as their father. He's going to make the argument that the true children of Abraham are not the Jews. It's not those by lineage. It's those who believe like Abraham. Those are his true children. Verse 8. And the scripture prophesied that on the basis of faith, God would declare the Gentiles righteous. I love this. God announced the good news ahead of time to Abraham. In other words, we're getting a sneak peek at new covenant salvation in the life of Abraham. It was like he believed the gospel. And now here's the quote. Through your example of faith... All the nations will be blessed. So it's interesting. God comes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And Abraham, his name was Abram back then. So you're going to see some verses are calling him Abram. He has an encounter with the God. He gets his name changed to Abraham. We'll get to that here in just a second. But Abraham's living in this wicked city called Ur in this ancient civilization called Chaldea. They were the Chaldeans. And this city was known for its violence, immorality, idolatry. Now, archaeology has dug up this ancient city. And they found the school's textbooks, and here's what they found. You couldn't even live in the city unless you had been dedicated to a, a demonic moon god or goddess that they worshipped. So literally, every citizen in the city had been uh, dedicated to the demonic. And here's what happened. God took the initiative, just like he did with every person in here. Okay? A lot of people are like, I found God. God wasn't lost. You were lost. He's the one who went and searched out you. Okay? And so here's Abraham worshipping a moon god. Dedicated to the demonic, and here's what Acts 7 says. It says that the God of glory made himself known to Abraham. Man, God took the initiative on you. And here's what God said to Abraham, to Abram, before his name, his name, Abraham, before his name was changed to Abraham. This one's going to, yeah. 
Genesis uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. In other words, I want you to leave everything that you know behind. Don't take any family members with you. I want you to go here, and, uh, and I will make of you a great nation. This is God speaking. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's saying that he is the one who's going to make Abraham's name great. He didn't say, Abraham, hey, I'm going to give you a little extra help, and it's up to you. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You better try harder. Work smarter, not harder, Abraham. No, no. He's saying he's going to be blessed and that God was going to be the one who makes his name great. As we'll see, God wasn't talking about just these intangible spiritual benefits. A lot of people are like, well, these are talking about spiritual benefits. Um, Well, there's definitely spiritual benefits to salvation, but it also includes every area of your life. A lot of people don't know this, okay? It's going to be actually talking about physical, earthly blessings as well. Jim, is this that health and wealth gospel? No, it's just the gospel that includes healing and provision. Abraham becomes wealthy not through his own hard work. He becomes wealthy because God blessed his life. Guys, if you are going to become wealthy in, in, in a biblical sense where you're doing it for generosity and for goodness, it's not going to be because of your financial wizardry. It's because God blessed the work of your hands, not your butt on the couch. There's a worldly way to do it. It says, um, it says uh, the Lord makes a man rich and he adds no sorrow to it. There, there's, a, there's a worldly way to do it, but you... Neglect your family and you have health problems because you're worried and all these other things. But there's a godly way to do it because he blesses you. He became, blessing, he became wealthy because the blessing of God was on his life. Abraham was blessed in everything he did. Even when he made mistakes, God blessed him. You're like, Jim, that doesn't even sound Christian. It wouldn't if God was blessing you on the basis of your performance. Guys, I'm not saying sin is a good idea. It's a really bad idea. It opens the door for the demonic. It deceives you about God. But it doesn't change the way God feels about you. It changes the way you feel about God. Sin does not change your relationship with God. It changes your relationship with the devil. Did you notice though, when God was speaking to Abraham all of the I wills? I will make your name great. This is God. God will, make you, uh, will, make you, will bless you. God will bless those who bless you. God was not giving Abraham a list of rules to follow. It seems like when, we, uh, when a new believer gets saved, they're like, hey, God loves you. You're saved by grace. There's nothing you can do. It's a, it's a gift. And here's all the things you need to do. You need to read your Bible every day. You need to pray. You need to give. You need to go to church. You need to do this and that. It's like you give him a list of rules to follow. You give him the new old covenant. I'm not saying those things aren't a good idea, but they have to be presented as wisdom, all right? It's like when a couple gets married, you know, a a marriage enrichment seminar should take the love that you already have and give you ways to make it even better. Now, here's a whole bunch of rules to follow now that you're married. 6 p.m., hug. 6.15, kiss. 6.30, foot rub. Any kind of rub. God was not giving Abraham a list of rules to follow. God was revealing to Abraham the kind of God that he was and that he was gonna, uh, what he was going to do for Abraham if he would just believe. Listen, when you announce to your kids, hey, um, they're like, what are those packages you're walking with? Hey, these are your Christmas presents. When you say that you got them a gift, it's not an announcement of you better start working if you want these. At least, at least if you're from a normal family. Maybe there's some weird families. but like, like, It's not them like, oh, 
Mom and dad got me a gift. I better be on my best behavior. I got to earn these things. I got to go. They run out and start shoveling the, the sidewalk right away. And all. No, no, no. It's not a list of what they must now do. It's an announcement of what their parents did on their behalf. The law is man-oriented. It says, you shall, you shall not. You shall, you shall not. Religion is man-oriented. It's a list of all the things you must do. And here's the message of religion. You ain't doing enough. God's not going to bless you until. That's religion. New Covenant Christianity says God has already blessed you in Christ Jesus. Now believe it and receive it. All right, we're going to keep going here. Law, the emphasis is on what you must do to please God and receive his blessings. But grace is God-oriented. Here's a summary of grace. Here's a summary of the new covenant in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 10 and verse 12. God says, I will put my laws in their mind. Boy, this sounds like his promise to Abraham. And write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Guys, God is doing all of the heavy lifting in the new covenant. He is doing all of it. Your part is not like, hey, go help out God. Remember when you were a little kid and like your dad was like going to lift something and uh, you wanted to get under there and act like you were helping him? And you're like, ah, ah. But, but dad's actually doing all the work. Welcome to the new covenant. You're not helping God with any of this stuff. He already did it all. Remember the old covenant. I mean, like the priests, like they were like slaughtering animals nonstop because the people wouldn't stop sinning. It's like, it's like slice, burn, chop. Slice, burn, chop. Oh, no, here comes the smith. Slice, burn, chop. Slice, burn, chop. They won't stop sinning. It says they, they stood daily, just nonstop, because the people wouldn't stop sinning. It says when Jesus offered uh, the sacrifice for sins once for all, he sat down. There didn't need to be any more sacrifice, even though the smiths, the Jones, whatever the other family came in. It doesn't matter that they came in, because that, that sacrifice covered all of it. Right now, you are seated. I want you just right now, just recognize, I am resting in what God has done. I'm not up there trying to work, slice, burn, chop, pray, fast, read. He's pleased with you because of what Jesus has done. So stay seated. The law says, I will carry my end, and I will bless you if you carry your end. And if you don't carry your end, I will curse you. But you know what? The old covenant has been made obsolete. A lot of people are still trying to keep the old covenant. Like the law was fulfilled, fulfilled, but you still need to follow it. Like, where, where did we get this foolishness? You still need to keep it all. He said, no, no, no. Jesus kept it all for you. And you will follow. Listen, when he says, I will write my laws in your heart, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decree, being led by the spirit has replaced Torah keeping and law keeping. So now as we follow the Spirit, we will keep everything that the law was after, love God and love people, without any reference to the rules. And that's how you'll live more holy on accident than you ever could on purpose in your own strength. But that's two weeks from now. Here we go. All right, so Abraham's, uh, okay, that was the old covenant. God says, you know, I'm making a new arrangement between uh, God and man, a new arrangement. There's a, the old covenant's obsolete. Here's the new covenant. Here's what the new covenant says. God says, I will carry my end. And then I will come and carry your end, and I will treat you as if you carried your end yourself. Welcome to the new covenant. So Abraham's life is a picture of a person under grace. So the story begins in uh, chapter 12. We talked about God comes to this moon worshiper and uh, says, I want to bless you. Notice Abraham isn't doing anything amazing. 
He's not standing out like this guy is really zealous among the moon worshipers. Guys, we're not doing anything to get God's attention. You have his attention because you're created in his image. You're his child. And so he comes and he seeks you out, not because of your amazingness, but because of who he is. And he says, listen, you got to get out of this sinful city. you got to leave your father's household, all the stuff you're immersed in. I want you to go to the land that you're showing him. Abraham leaves and takes his nephew Lot with him. Mistake number one. God said, leave your entire household. He disobeys. On the first order, he disobeys. Strike one. Uh, what happens under the law when you disobey? You get punished. But Abraham wasn't under law. He was under grace. He lived 400 years before the law. He's a picture of the Old Testament believer who's free from the law. So a little while later, there's a famine in the land. Abraham goes to Egypt to live there for a while. Abraham's 75. His wife is 65. Apparently, his wife Sarah is a babe at age 65 because here's what's happening. They get to Egypt, and Abraham's like, listen, I'm a little bit nervous. Here's what he says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 11 through 13. I know you're a woman of beautiful, beautiful in appearance. She's like, I know. And in verse 12, and when the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. I would make this guy a deacon in the church. <laughs> Saying, take my sister, I mean, take my wife. I mean, my goodness gracious. Father of faith, living under grace. Here's the father of our faith, lying through his teeth. Under the law, what happens when you lie? Punishment, judgment. But Abraham's not under law. He's not under grace. I mean, he's not under law. He's under grace. Guys, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, oh, sin is no big deal. I'm just saying the consequences of your sin have been paid for on the cross. There may be, listen, you lie, people aren't going to trust you. Okay, like there's, there's human consequences, these things. But from the God side, you're under grace. You're not under law. It's scandalous. I know. So they get to Egypt. They lie and say, Sarah's a sister. And now Pharaoh takes Sarah to be part of his harem. Not a good deal if you're a woman. And, uh, and they begin to treat Abraham well. Everything's going according to Abraham's plan. This is wonderful. The Egyptians, they give him sheep and cattle and donkeys and servants and camels. They're just blessing him because his sister's so beautiful. Sister is so beautiful. So God sends curse of diseases because of this event. But he doesn't send them on Abraham. He sends them on Pharaoh and his household. Listen to Genesis 12, 17 through 20. God's not rebuking Abraham. Pharaoh rebukes Abraham. Listen to Genesis 12, verse 17. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh, Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all he had. I'm reading this, I'm like, you got the wrong minute. We got the wrong person here, right? You should punish the liar. You can't blame Pharaoh. But when you're righteous, God is not dealing with you based on your behavior. He's dealing with you based on your faith, even in the midst of your weaknesses. What's Abraham? He's a picture of a new covenant believer. And God was blessing him because he made a promise to Abraham that he would bless him, and Abraham believed it. Even though he didn't walk it out perfectly, he believed in the promise, and he got blessed because of that. Why are you and I going to get blessed? Because God made a promise, and we believed it, not because we walk it out perfectly. Right after this incident, God increases Abraham even more with material wealth. This is literally like the next verse is Genesis 13 too. Abraham became very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. 
What did he do to deserve it? It sure wasn't the whole Pharaoh thing. He lied. But he believed, God made a promise, and he believed it. Guys, you can, receive it, uh, the, uh, you can receive blessings because of the promise or because of your performance. If you're going to do it on the performance plan, you've got to be perfect, and you won't be. Jim, God's only into spiritual blessings. Well, Abraham's blessing is covering every area of his life. And Abraham was not wealthy because of his shrewd business sense or because God rewarded his great integrity. I believe God wants you to have shrewd business sense. He wants you to operate in wisdom. Of course he wants you to operate with integrity. But his blessing is because of his promise and you believing it, not because of your amazing character, your perfect character, and all these other things. The blessing was independent of Abraham's performance, so what he deserved is purely the favor of God that made him rich. Oh, man, Abraham's so lucky. I wish we had a promise like that. It's the blessing of Abraham. It's a picture of salvation. If you're saved, you already have it. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is unveil it to us so we can believe it and receive it. How are we doing? So here's the deal. Um, Abraham's, uh, uh, he's, he's so blessed, he's so rich, that him and his nephew Lot, they couldn't dwell together in the same land. So they had so many sheep and cattle and herd that they're all trying to graze from the same land. And so the, uh, the herdsmen, they're starting to have fights with each other over what's going on here. So Abraham has a conversation with Lot about this. It's absolutely amazing. Okay? Uh, Genesis 13, 8 through 11. Then Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. In other words, we're family. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. If you take the right hand, then I'll go to the left. He's standing on top of a hilltop, surveying this whole thing, looking at the different parts of the land. And Lot, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley. Mama didn't raise no fool, right? I mean, <laughs> and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. So, uh, so here they're, they're surveying the land. There's this one part that is well watered. There's the other part that's desert. How many of you, if that, you were in that situation, you'd be like, I think we're going with the well watered land. Right? There was no feed stores and grain stores, right? The only way they could be fed was with green pastures and fresh water, all right? I want you to see, this shows how confident Abraham was that God was his source. Anyone relying on conventional wisdom and animal practices would know this is a bad investment. Going into the desert land versus the well-watered land, bad investment, super bad choice. But Abraham knew that God was his source no matter what it looked like to the naked eye. I mean, I get these questions all the time. You know, what about the economy? What if the dollar collapses? What about the new world order? What about this and that? God promised. I believe it. God is a source. Everything else is a resource. The resource is going to change many times in your life. What if the dollar collapses? Mm, not my resource. No, actually, it's just a resource. Source hasn't changed. I hope somebody's getting this. Abraham's saying, it doesn't matter where I go. God said he would bless me, and I'm believing him for that. What if you and I were to see God as our source like this? Right after this, God appears to Abraham and promises him even more blessing than he's already experienced. Um, listen to this, guys. In the natural, it is impossible for a man who grazes herds and flocks in the desert to prosper as much as a man who grazes his cattle in the lush pastures. But the blessing of God made Abraham rich, and he prospers more than Lot did in the desert than Lot did in the green pastures. Not long after uh, Lot and Abraham separated, separated, foreign kings came and raided this city of Sodom, and uh, they took control over five, king, uh, five kingdoms, 
And so Abraham hears that his lot nephew has been taken captive, all, all the people, all, all the spoil of it. And so, the, um, so Abraham, uh, here's what he does. He, he takes 318 men uh, of his servants in his household. This tells you how wealthy he is. If you've got 318 staff members just serving your household, you've got some bucks. Okay? And it says he took, uh, I mean, you picture, he's getting the cook, he's getting the shepherd, he's getting the gardener, and these 318 men, I don't know if they were trained as ninjas or what's happening, but they go and open up a can of whip tail on three kings. He takes the gardener, the cook. I mean, I don't know if they're coming out with like a utensil, they got like a whole, like, I don't know how they're fighting these guys. But there's such supernatural favor on them that they go and open up a can of whip tail and they take back all the spoils of the five kingdoms. And the king of Sodom is so grateful, he wants, to, he wants to let Abraham keep the spoil. Here's what Abraham says in Genesis 14, verse 22. But Abraham said to the king of Solomon, this is going to be key, we're going we're to hit this again at the end. I have lifted my hand to the Lord. In other words, I recognize that everything that I put my hand to prospers because of God. Ready for this? I love, he's using phrases that have never been talked about. So he's having a revelation of, of God's goodness. God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. But what a revelation. God owns it all. It's mine. I worked for it. Um, where'd you get the breath? Where'd you get the, where'd you get the strength? Where'd you get the DNA? Where'd you get the skills? Where'd you get the gifts? How'd you get to be born into the most prosperous country, the most prosperous time in history? I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you say, I made Abraham rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eshol, and Mamre take their share. So these were some of his servants. God said, I will bless those who bless you. This is just part of that happening. Abraham's saying, I'm not taking any money from a king because I don't want anyone to think that they were the source of my blessing. God's the source of my blessing. I mean, he literally gave up millions of dollars so, uh, worth of spoil because he so trusted God. Listen, he had uh, many riches, many possessions and employees, but he saw himself, I'm blessed because of, of God's promises and blessing on my life. Not someone else who was just earning it through his self-efforts. Where did Abraham get this kind of confidence? God made him a promise, and he believed it. Guys, how are blessings going to come into our life? Because God made a promise by grace, because of what Jesus has done, before you were ever born, he created the solution. And we see what he did on the cross. Guys, so that you could be saved, healed, delivered, prospered, and protected. Everything you would ever need is in the cross. He made a promise, and we see that, and we believe it. Those promises come into our life. Believe and receive, or doubt and do without. Now listen, I'm sure that Abraham, here was the promise. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. Listen, I'm sure that Abraham put effort into maintaining his flocks and herds and managing his household, hundreds of people helping him, but he still saw God as his source. I'm not saying we just sit there and you know, all this invisible stuff just happens. And No, no, no. But there's actually an energy of the Holy Spirit that acts in our life that's the source of our blessing, and he's actually with us to strengthen us in managing the household and taking care of the herds. And it's the same attitude for any Christian to really begin to walk in the financial prosperity God has for us. God is my source. Genesis 18, God and two angels come to have lunch with Abraham. Uh, he ate Sarah's cooking, which included bread, meat, butter, and milk. So here's Abraham uh, sitting in what would later be the promised land. And remember, I talked about the milk of the promised land. I just think it's kind of cool. God was the first one to drink the milk of the promised land before any of the Israelites did. Here he is having it right here. 
kind of cool. Don't know what it means. It's just kind of cool. Then God announces to Abraham and Sarah, even though you're old, you're going to have a kid. Genesis 18, verse 9, they said to him, "Uh, where's your wife, Sarah? Where, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. In other words, she was too, young to, she was too old to have kids. She'd gone through menopause. How are we doing? Can you believe we're saying the word menopause right here in church? It's, it's, it's actually legal, all right? Uh, so Sarah laughed. So the way of, the, of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed at herself, saying, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, her husband's old, shall I have my pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. (laughs) I just love that. No, I didn't. Mm, Yeah, you did. All right. It's interesting. So she's clearly like laughing at the promises of God. Now listen, uh, fast forward to Hebrews. Uh, we're under the new covenant. When the new covenant lens looks back at this event, look at how it describes it. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received the power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. She didn't believe. She laughed. But heaven under the new covenant does not record the sins of the believer. You heard of rose-colored glasses? Heaven has on blood-covered glasses. You're not going to get to heaven and they play a video of this is your life and show you all of your faults. There's no accounting department in heaven. All the books of your sins have been burned. And then they took the ashes and burned the ashes. It's important to note that Sarah's lack of trust in God did not remove her from God's purpose in her life. You don't even have to believe perfectly. Remember, we looked at this a couple weeks ago, but um, what God does with your worst mistakes is he weaves them into your perfect, his perfect plan for your life. Remember, there, there's only plan A. There's not plan A, it's B, C, D, and E. God takes uh, your worst mistakes, weaves it into his perfect plan, and he's got a trillion ways to accomplish his plan in your life. She tried, so Sarah, she tries to make the promise happen in her own strength. Hey, Abraham, I have, uh, have a child with my, with my servant, and they're, they're trying to manipulate the prophecy and make all these things happen. And uh, listen, God does not give up on us when we fail or falter. He took our weaknesses and stupidity into, uh, into the equation when he had a plan and a purpose for your life. He already factored in all of our weaknesses, all of our stupid mistakes, all of those things. He's like, yeah, I already know about that. I still love them, and I'm still going to accomplish my plan through the life. Even Sarah laughing in the face of God's promise would not change his mind. He was determined to finish what he began in her heart until she saw God for who he really was. Listen, guys, we're all like Sarah. We've all seen these promises, and instead of trusting God, we've tried to make them happen in our own strength, and we've gotten prophetic words, and we're, now we're going to, we, we take, feel like that prophetic word is our call to now make something happen, and we, we do all this stuff, right? But God still includes us in his divine purpose. And I'm just going to declare this over you, what God declared over Sarah. Like Sarah, one year from now, you'll look back and see impossibility turn into destiny. About this time next year. Yeah, yay God. Let's fast forward now. Abraham, 100 years old. Sarah, 90 years old. 
still no kids. Okay, and uh, so now they're going, and they're, uh, they're going to come across the king named Abimelech. And, Abim- and uh, again, Abraham tells everyone, she's my sister. So apparently at 100, she's still a babe. Uh, like, he's, still, he's still got some lying problems going on. Uh, and so the king sends for her to become part of his harem. They lie again. Here's what happens, Genesis 20. Um, surely God's like, listen, you should have learned your lesson the first time. I gave you a little bit of grace. This time you're going to get justice. Is that what happens here? Hmm. Genesis chapter 20, verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her. In other words, he hadn't slept with her. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not say himself to me, she's my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. And the integrity of my heart and the innocence in my hands, I've done this. Then God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. Prophet, he's a liar. (laughs) What are you talking about, a prophet? He's done nothing but spill lies and protect his own hide. Now return the man's wife, for he's a prophet. Why? Because heaven has a whole different lens that it sees you through. He's a prophet, so he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So God calls Abraham a prophet, who now is going to have the gift of healing and pray for your restoration. What happens is God closed all the wombs of his entire household so no one could bear kids. He cursed them so no one can bear kids, uh, him and his entire household and all of his servants. Um, But by Abraham's intercession, they were healed. It's amazing considering Abraham and his wife, they, uh, they were, they're praying for their own child to happen, and it never happened. The very first healing in the Bible is from, from a childless couple praying for other people to have children. Very first healing of miracle of the Bible. Why? Because he had no confidence in himself as he prayed this prayer of faith. He could pray in total confidence, it's going to be God who does this miracle. Abraham prayed for the women of, uh, of Abimelech, and they were healed. He prayed for the thing he had not yet received. What if praying for someone else when you're sick is sowing a seed for your own healing? When God healed Abimelech's household, it was a catalyst for faith for Abraham's household. Right after this, right, right after this, Abraham and, Era, and, uh, and Sarah, Abraham, yeah, Abraham and Sarah conceive at age 190, a few verses later. Abraham's prayer for another person with an identical need led to their own miracle. Well, there's something in there. Maybe this is what the book of James means when it says, pray for one another that you may be healed. So here we see again after this, uh, Abraham, he's blessed. If we read the verses, he's blessed even more materially, uh, even in the place of compromise. It says he gave him royal, uh, Abimelech gave him royal gifts of sheep, cattle, servants, and 25 pounds of silver. They left richer than they came, even though his performance did not warrant it. But because God made him a promise and he believed it, he was blessed. Is anyone seeing a pattern here? Abraham lies about the same situation two times now. He was wrong both times, but the blessing of God never stopped causing Abraham to prosper. Part of Abraham's blessing is the rejuvenation of your youth. So Sarah, she's still gorgeous and having children age 90. Some of you are like, I'll take the gorgeous part, but the having children part, you can keep that one. All right? Sarah's the only woman in the Bible to have her youth renewed at an old age. You know what the Bible calls every female believer? A daughter of Sarah. 
Not a daughter of Mary, Ruth, Esther, Deborah, a daughter of Sarah. The blessing of Abraham is not some magical impartation. I've been in services where they're like, come forward and I'm going to pray for you the blessing of Abraham. Mm, that's called salvation. I don't need anything out of your hand. Anyone who's promising you some impartation of the blessing of Abraham, they just probably don't understand what they're talking about. And they're, you, know, you already have the blessing of Abraham if you're a believer. It's a picture of what you already have in Christ. And so the Bible uses the picture of Abraham as a prototype of the new covenant believer, of how God deals with us under grace, not dealing with us in our performance. Abraham's not living a perfect life, but God keeps blessing him in every area because God made him a promise, and Abraham believed it. And believe does not mean he took this outer information of ideas and intellectually agreed that these things were true. No, no. Um, it means to abandon yourself to the God who has abandoned himself to you. It means to put your confidence in God, to trust him completely, to rely, to believe in. Another uh, verse in Romans 4 talks about Abraham. It says he was fully convinced. It means you're putting all of your eggs in God's basket. It means plan A is I'm trusting God. There is no plan B. Pushing my chips to the center of the table, betting it all on God. Because when God declared you and me righteous, it means you and I have entered into a realm where God's no longer dealing with you based on your performance. He's dealing with you based on Jesus' performance. He's not dealing with you based on your character. He's dealing with you based on his character, which is unconditional love. Righteousness means I get to walk in harmony with God's blessing. Wherever I go, he blesses me because my trust is with him, not because my Christian report card is perfect. Wherever I go, he blesses me because my trust is in him, not because my Christian report card is perfect. The blessing of Abraham included encounters with God, financial prosperity, health, miracles, rejuvenation of youth, protection, long life. One of the things we didn't get to look at is said God was Abraham's shield. Uh, one way you could look at it was Abraham's aura. So it's literally like God went before Abraham and went behind him. And anywhere he went, he literally changed the atmosphere of a room because God was his shield. One of the promises. You're walking into a difficult conflict situation at home or at work. You're walking into a difficult business meeting where you have a presentation. You're walking into a job interview. God made you a promise and you believe it. And you can trust that, God, you're going before me like a shield. And when I leave, you're going behind me. All this is yours in Jesus. Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring Heirs according to promise. Heirs is H-E-I-R-S. So do you belong to Jesus? That means you are an heir according to promise. Heir is a word about inheritance. Inheritance means you get what somebody else paid for. I mean, someone else deserved it, but out of the kindness, you are now receiving what someone else worked for. This is such a good news. And so I remember when um, I was about 14 years old, it was when the uh, Rambo 2 came out, right about that time. You guys remember Rambo 2? First Blood Part 2? Man, that was powerful. That's powerful. And so, so, so me and my friends were super into like knives and that stuff. And so my, um, my uncle had a really interesting job. He was my great uncle. And so he, his job, he worked for General Motors, and he would take the people with the biggest accounts uh, with them, and he would take them on fancy trips. That was literally his job, was to go on fancy trips with the biggest spenders with, with, with General Motors. And so he, he led an interesting life. My great uncle, he, um, he got the super, he, uh, he played for, oh, I won't tell you what university he played for, but it starts with the university and ends with a Michigan. But um, he, uh, he, got, he, got the, he got the Rose Bowl ball for the University of Michigan. So he got to keep that. He was, uh, he was a fighter pilot, got shot down and survived. And he just, uh, he played professional football, but he just had like a, a charmed life. 
And so, uh, so now he's got this. And so they, they were going like African safaris. So they planned this trip for the people who had earned it. And uh, they were going to go up to this place called Lake Cabin Academy. And two guys dropped out. They weren't able to make it. So the trip was paid for. And so my great uncle calls my dad and says, hey, would you and, they called me Jamie, would you and Jamie like to come? And so um, I'm no longer Jamie because uh, remember the Bonnick woman was named Jamie Summers and all my friends call me the Bonnick woman. That's why I changed my name from Jamie to Jim. There we go. True story. So, uh, so just like Abram got his name changed, I got my name changed, all right? So he says, well, you and Jim uh, like to come on this trip. So I want you guys to get this. So we get to come on this trip of a lifetime that we did not pay for. So we go, so they, they buy us plane tickets, and we take a, a plane from Detroit to the uh, farthest north part of Canada that the airport would go. From there, we take a, um, a propeller plane, like a pontoon plane, uh, to an island. So, so we're, we're like in the, in, the, you know, in the boonies. When we get there, there's this luxury lodge there, like a five-star lodge in, in this thing. So we go there, and so they, uh, my uncle said, don't bring anything. We'll take care of everything. Just bring a couple pairs of change of clothes. So we get there, and he's, so they have this um, giant outdoor uh, like, like fishing tackle shop. And we, all, we went shopping in there. So I go there. And so I'm like, I'm looking at the knife. So I get like this fillet knife. I get all this stuff. I'm thinking Rambo. So I got like this tackle box. And I got, so they're like, fill it up. So I'm picking out all these lures. I get to keep all this stuff. I get like these graphite um, fishing rods. I'm, I'm loading up with rods and reels and lures, stuff. Like I got to keep it. It was funny because they had a little label maker and they put Rambo Jr. on my box. I was like, ah. So we would go out in the morning. We each, there was two people and one guide to a boat. So we're going out, in the, in the, and so picture like mountains and like, like, uh, you know, like eagles going by, squawking at, you know, doing the eagle scream. Ah, there's an eagle. You know, it was so cool. So the guide's driving us out in the boat, and it's literally like this scenario. He's baiting our hooks for us. I love that. I don't like fish stuff. It's, it's gross. So he's, like, so he's taking it, and he's baiting our hooks with like live bait. And when it's like as fast as we could cast it in, we're catching fish. He's taking it off the hook for us and baiting it. I mean, we're, we're just doing all of the fun stuff. And then we would go to an island, and he would take the fish that we just caught, the guide would, and he would uh, fillet it for us, and we'd eat the fresh fish right there on, uh, on, on this little part of the island. And then we'd have a five-star meal at, uh, at, uh, at night. It wasn't a bad trip, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, mean, I, got the, I got the poncho. I got all the cool stuff. I want you guys to get this. There was two people who deserved that trip. They had done all the work to do it. But my dad and I got all of the blessings. Guys, there, there is a life that somebody else paid for that we get to live. And it comes from a promise, the promise of God, the, the promise that uh, he who knew no sin became sin so you could become the righteousness of God and enjoy the blessing of Abraham. What if you were to become favor conscious? What if you were to become righteousness conscious instead of sin conscious? Religion's going to be telling you all the things you did wrong. But what if you were to turn your eyes towards Jesus? Listen, guys, the, the way that you get out of sin is not by trying to get out of sin. The way you get out of sin is by receiving grace. It's the grace of God that teaches you to say no to sin. So when you begin to look at Jesus and see what he's done, see that you're righteous, see that that favor has come upon you, you will sin less than you ever did trying hard on purpose. What if you were to live this week with this phrase in mind, I'm blessed in this situation, just fill in the blank, whether it's with your kids, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your health. I'm blessed in this situation because of what Jesus has done. Let's stand for closing prayer. It's good news. I want to end two different ways. I want to um, 
read this verse to you again. Genesis 14, verse 22. But Abraham, but Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Man, I just love that phrase. Abraham lifted his hand to the Lord. So I just got this during worship. Just, I just saw this kind of closing out like this. Is, um, I, I feel like lifting your hand to the Lord is just recognizing, God, you are my source. And everything that I put my hand to is going to prosper because you are my source. And so how about what if we just lifted our hand right now and we just in our hearts or even out loud, if you want to say, God, you are my source. My efforts, my work, my energy, they're blessed by you. You are the possessor of heaven and earth. And I'm trusting you to bless my life. To bless my relationships. To bless my health. To bless my finances. Not because I deserve it. But because you promised. Thank you, Lord. As we're, as we're closing out here, is there anybody here and you're listening to this and uh, maybe some, something's starting to click? You're realizing, you know what, I don't know Jesus in the way that you're talking about. I've never trusted him. I've never put my confidence in him. I've never uh, relied upon him to be my savior. Maybe you were baptized as an infant. Maybe you prayed a prayer as a kid, but you didn't really share what you were doing. Or maybe you've just never really uh, heard the good news before, but you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I, I want this. I want to follow this Jesus. I want to learn from Jesus how to be like him. It's not about just believing facts about him. The demons believe facts about him. It hasn't changed their lives. And so it's about coming and seeing this person and saying, I want to follow him. I want to trust him. And it's about a living, active relationship, uh, walking out with him. And if you're here today and you don't have that, and you're like, Jim, I don't want to leave before I do this. I want to give you a chance to do this. And so even if you're online, you can respond as well. But is there anybody here? I just ask you to be bold. We're not trying to embarrass you, but... Uh, the Bible says this, if you confess Jesus before men, he'll confess you before the Father. And so if you're here uh, today and uh, you're like, I want to follow Jesus, I haven't done this, I'm just going to ask you to be bold and just raise your hand. We want to pray with you. Is there anybody in here? You're like, I want to I follow Jesus. Anybody in here? Lots of people scratching their noses and their chins, <laughs> faking me out. Everyone's got a niche now. Anybody in here? All right, if you didn't raise your hand but you wanted to raise your hand, our teams would be happy to pray with you down here. And, uh, and just tell you some next steps. And some of those next steps look like getting water baptized and, uh, and learning how to walk out this relationship with him. So let's close in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that the pressure is off, that we don't have to make things happen in our life, that uh, we can just cooperate with you as they're happening. As you open doors, you give us favor. Lord, anyone who needs a healing in their body, I just thank you that you are the source of healing. Just as Abraham prayed for somebody and uh, his confidence was not in his ability, it was completely in you, Lord. We were just, so just put your hand in your body if you've got a healing need and say, this healing belongs to me. Let's just everybody say this. This healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. Thank you, Lord. Say, this prosperity belongs to me because of what Jesus has done.